I'm phoning. <laughs> Literally phoning it in. I'm sorry. Okay, hold on. Airplane mode on. Thank you. All right, so we are going to get going with this uh, right now. All right, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Now, let me just tell you guys, this is a wonderful passage because it talks about what it looked like if we were functioning in all cylinders. And the fruit of the Spirit is that. It's something we can't create in us, but God can. He can make you thrive in college. It's going to be a wonderful thing when the Spirit speaks to you even this evening and, and changes you. So we're going to read that uh, with expectation that we will be changed and transformed. So hear the Word of God. We'll start in verse 16 and read through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, ending one another. This is the Word of God. Grass withers, the flower fades, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's uh, pray and ask Him to bless it. Um, our God in heaven, uh, You are good to us to give us Your Word written. Now would You speak to us with Your Spirit? Uh, bless us uh, with, with such uh, wonderful truths uh, of, of You bringing about faithfulness where there is none. Uh, where you giving your son um, for, for people like us. And we will give you glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is not on. This one is. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, so, guys, this sermon, very simple, is about faithfulness. Um, we, we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22 through 23, and then we're going to look at the deeds of the flesh in a few weeks. We're in the fruit of the Spirit, we're on number seven, which is faithfulness. And so we're going to look at what that means. What is faithfulness? Are we naturally faithful? What does it look like to really be faithful? And how do we, how do we become one who grows in faithfulness? Well, faithfulness from the outset is one attribute of Christianity that is maybe less heroic and extraordinary than the other fruit of the Spirit attributes we've already seen and studied this semester. Um, faithfulness, I would say, makes the ordinary look extraordinary. It's endurance. You're not a one-hit wonder. You're the Beatles. You're not Vanilla Ice. Okay, you're 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 going to endure to the end. Well, the Beatles actually didn't didn't last that long. Actually, if you think about it, you're the Rolling Stones or Aerosmith. Maybe they're still going. Maybe unfortunately. Um, okay. Well, let me just illustrate that with one, one little story from the outset. This has been a good week for news, y'all. I mean, um, the government shut down, um, <laughs> Obamacare, um, whatever you think about that. And then this one guy drove three million miles in his Volvo. 
which is great for sermon illustrations, okay? Because I'm talking about faithfulness. And this guy bought his cherry red 1966 Volvo P1800 back in 1966, new. It's been running for 47 years. If it, he's driven 3 million miles. He just hit 3 million on a trip to Alaska. His commute every day is like 126 miles to work. So he's racked up mileage over the time. He's 70-something years old. Um, if his Volvo were a space shuttle, it would have made six round trips between Earth and the moon by now. That's how far he's driven in his car. Okay, he made it. He's 74. Um, it's remarkable that this car still has the same engine he had when he bought it. It's amazing. He's, his words are, you buy a quality car to begin with, and you just follow the owner's manual. The people who wrote the book are the people that built the car. It's kind of common sense. Follow the owner's manual, and your engine can last for 47 years. You can drive 3 million miles. Um, it's amazing. So, uh, Carson Daly asked this guy how much he would sell the car for, and he said, dollar a mile. You know, so, 3 million. Yeah, so, anyway, he's, still ha he's been to 49, or 49 states, 5 countries. He's yet to go to Hawaii, though, so that's on his bucket list. Someday he'll go to Hawaii and drive his car in Hawaii. Okay, all right. So, faithfulness is a 66 Volvo with 3 million miles. This car never let this guy down, ever. The original engine, according to the manual, and it's fascinating um, to me to see that, okay? Um, you know, you might, I, don't, I think it's like not how we work in religion, we kind of are sprinters. We're not endurers. Uh, we work our religion like, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll be, uh, I'll be faithful for real God this time. You know, I'll, I'll get real excited about something. We'll do Lent. We'll do camp. And we'll get really pumped. Like, I think the Lord Jesus lives at camp. He doesn't live at OU. And then we go back to camp, and then we get fired up again. And, and then we, we just fall out. I mean, faithfulness is not our strong suit. Uh, faithfulness, uh, it's like, it's a lot like Walter White in the finale of Breaking Bad. I'm not gonna, actually, I'm not going to go there. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Um, a, a illustration abort. Okay. Um, he, did, he did actually pray at one point in this, and it's a very uh, interesting thing. So I won't go there, though. I won't run it for you. Faithfulness is showing up. Faithfulness is being where you're supposed to be. It's keeping your word. It's keeping it. If anything, we ought to be able to show up and do our jobs, right? But since I have been a little kid, I've struggled with this. I learned very early that I could fake sick and get out of doing school, okay? I could do this well. I could, you know, because I'm deep down and twisted in my soul, and I have a self-destructive desire to do anything but the right and faithful thing. So my idea is genius. It's like, oh, I can lie in bed all day faking sick, watching the prices right, while everyone else is where they need to be and where they should be. Um, but, and, I, and I'm just thinking that's liberating to be, to be doing that, faking sick in bed, watching the prices right. Uh, but it never was. I just felt kind of like an idiot sitting there. So um, you'll talk yourself out of going to class. I mean, some of y'all are freshmen, but you've already missed several classes. How many, how many of y'all have never missed a class? Oh, come on, you're all liars. Okay, 
Everyone in college misses classes. Rosa, okay, you're, you're spectacular. Um, okay, like, I mean, come on, okay. Everyone, can, everyone misses class. We skip class. I appreciate that faithfulness. Um, wh- why is it hard for us to do this? Why? Well, we don't believe we have any solid ground, okay? We don't trust the manual. We really don't. We don't think if I change the oil every so thousand miles or if I, if I do this, do that, then my engine's going to last. We really don't believe it. We don't trust the manual. We don't trust the Bible. And here's why. We all secretly believe that God's disgusted with us, that he's disappointed with us, that he's disillusioned with you. We just don't trust him. We think he doesn't like us and he's holding something back. That's the great lie that started off all of our dysfunction. When our first parents disbelieved that God was good for them and that he was trying to hold something back from them. So rather than going to bed at a reasonable hour like you know you need to do and wake up and make it to your class on time, you're going to talk yourself out of doing the faithful thing to play Grand Theft Auto V because you just got it. And you're like, that's the way. (laughs) That's what we do. Grand Theft Auto V will still be there in the morning. Um, how many of y'all have become like an old married couple with someone, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, okay, a few of us? Um, how many of y'all have done that? Um, how, many of that's, how many of that's been the root of unfaithfulness for you or somebody you've dated? You just kind of get in a routine, you know, a faithful routine, and you're just like, this isn't exciting anymore. Try something different. Break up. Um, some of you have joked about your, with your roommate that you're so comfortable with each other that you're like an old married couple now. How many of y'all have done that? Joking with your roommates. Yeah, okay. Jason and Dylan, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, just Jason. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Um, you're the old married couple, and that's actually a pejorative term, okay? Con- negative connotation, old married couple. Now, Now, we'll all sit there and clap nicely when somebody... You know, has the 60-year anniversary, okay? Uh, or somebody's been with the same job for so long when they started out after college and then retired in the same company. We'll give them a round of applause, and we're shocked by that. But we don't imagine ourselves in that story. Some of us, like, throw up in our mouths thinking about such lack of change, okay? Like, we want change. Most of you at OU are, are here in order to get away from something, um, we all want change. The grass is greener out there. It's got to be, right? It's got to be greener than where it is where I live. And so if you feel like you're not changing, you're dying. In fact, I once heard that a university that's not building is dying, okay? You've got to keep on changing, keep on building, keep on progressing. And so the philosophy of our Western world and the marketing and the advertising is capitalizing on us being discontent with the things that are actually just fine and normal. Faithfulness is simply an unwavering commitment to the things that are fine, to the things that are wonderful. And faithfulness at its best, again, doesn't seem extraordinary. And at its worst, it's something we flee from. But we're all inconsistent if we go there. If we run from faithfulness, if we despise it, if we, if we break our word, if we don't show up for meetings, if we're late, if we gossip about our friends who have been faithful to us, we take confidential things and spread them around, secrets. Um, you know, if we waste our money that could have been used for good, if we've been unfaithful with that, 
we get it. That we, 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 though we want to act like that, people can't act like that. We get that faithfulness is important, right? Um, how do you respond when, when people are unfaithful to you? Does your blood boil when someone you know cheats? And just, does your blood boil when you go to class and then the guy who doesn't show up for class comes and takes the test and does well? Absolutely. That kills you. Um, I talked to a couple of students earlier in the year, and um, you know, they had this little group of friends that had sort of bonded at the beginning of the semester. And um, now one of, the, one of the people in their friend group is being ostracized for being shady. Okay, now, you know, when you're a freshman, you don't know your backgrounds, you know, so they're all in a group, and, and this one guy, you know, started hitting on girls, but secretly had a girlfriend back home. Okay, and so uh, two of the girls in the group found this out, uh, that he was being two-faced and unfaithful, and those people wanted nothing to do with him. He was cast out of the group. We can't stand that kind of behavior in other people. We demand faithfulness of others all the time, but we will excuse our own faithlessness all the time. If your food's late, if there's mail you're waiting on, if the store runs out of Grand Theft Auto V and you don't get it, um, if the grades you're waiting on from the professor aren't, aren't posted yet because they're being lazy, Josh Spears, um, not grading them, um, your students will curse you. Um, that happens all the time. Um, yeah, we'll stroll into a meeting late all the time. We'll do things like that. And you'll think those people disgust you. And so here's the deal. You know secretly you're not faithful, and you think God is disgusted with you. You impute the same kind of relationship you have with people who are unfaithful, and you look at how God deals, or you, you look at how you deal with them, and you think God's going to do that. Now, because, or the, that's one way you could think. You're secretly just kind of like, I hate myself, and God probably does too. Or you actually or lying about yourself, and you really think you're great when you're not. Uh, my mom used to have this scale in our bathroom, you know, like a weighing scale. And, I, you know, I was in high school, and I was trying to gain weight to play football. And so it always ticked me off that I'd go into the bathroom and get on the scale, and it'd be about 10 pounds lower <laughs> than what I actually weighed. And so <laughs> my mom's scale was, was rigged to tell her she was 10 pounds lighter than she actually was. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good confidence boost, isn't it? You know, hey, I get on the scale, I thought I weighed 135 and I weighed 125. Oh, man, I've lost weight, yeah. So, you know, when I get on the scale, I'm trying to weigh 205. It's telling me I weigh 195, and I'm like, what? I've got to go back and drink some more protein or something, you know, hit, some more, hit the weight room. I mean, so, so the scales are off, you know, and so her scale is different than my scale and the scale at the gym the scale at the doctor. And so there's scales that are all off. And so God, you know, says, you know, it doesn't matter what your scale is. There's only one scale that really matters, and it's, it's Jesus. Y'all, it's really Jesus. The scales that we have, that we put on ourselves, are things we can do, things we can accomplish, and we feel really proud when we do those things, uh, when we're unf- even, while, even all the while while we're unfaithful in a lot of places. Faithfulness is what God demands of us, because He is faithful. And so God here is the opposite of us in that he actually deals kindly with unfaithful people. He actually, you know, though we've, we've rigged the scales to tell us we're okay, he puts the scales back on us or puts us back on the scale 
and tells us we don't measure up. You know, I just baptized my daughter, which is a great sign. You know, I don't know if you've heard this. I baptized my daughter last week. I've been talking about it incessantly. But uh, I baptized my daughter, and um, what happened there is placed water on her, which symbolizes that she needs uh, forgiveness of her sins. She needs uh, a new heart. She needs to be connected to Jesus. She needs to be utterly transformed from who she is naturally in sin. Okay, that's a hard word to somebody to believe. I'm literally, absolutely in sin here. Okay, then I need, I need to be cleansed by it. And so the scales tell me that. When I look at my life according to the word of God, it tells me I don't measure up. But what it also tells me this is that he's willing to do such a thing. It's like telling me I'm bad, but it's telling me I'm good, and then I'm loved. And so he's faithful to me. Now, I want to ask you guys, how do you know you're a Christian? Is it by looking at your scale that you've made up? Is it by, I know I'm a Christian because I pray. I know I'm a Christian because I go to RUF. I know I'm a Christian because I give money away. I know I'm a Christian because I read my Bible. That's not being Christian. That's faithfulness, but faithfulness doesn't produce faithfulness. Faith produces faithfulness. The object of your faith produces faithfulness. What I'm saying is knowing somebody who loved you before time began, who chose you, and who sent Jesus to die for you and to change your heart and to give you new life and to create in you the spirit, his spirit, that would produce all these wonderful things, that's love. The first is circular reasoning that I know I'm a Christian because of my faithfulness. The second way of, of I know God is faithful to me will bring us faithfulness. God's faithful. So um, let me just um, cut to the chase here and, and move to how do we grow? Well, I want to illustrate it uh, this way. Um, there was a rock slide in, Cal- in Colorado this week. And uh, five hikers were dead at the end of the, at, when all was said and done. Uh, there were huge boulders sliding down a mountain in central Colorado. I don't know exactly which one, but uh, what happened was after you know after the rescue team came in, they heard they saw the landslide and boulders piled up, and they they heard somebody scream when they walked by, and so they started pulling off boulders and they found a girl, 13 year old girl named Gracie. Uh, Gracie, the 13-year-old, explained that when the boulder started falling, her dad fell on top of her, like jumped on top of her, because that was all he could do. It was all he could do to save her. And he died. And four other people died. But they pulled her out. She only sustained a broken leg. They, They took her to the hospital. She's fine. And so what what is what what my question is, what kind of person is Gracie going to be? Uh, Her dad is a hero that jumped on top of her to save her from certain death. And her her life is just beginning. Her story is really just beginning. She's just 13. What is she going to be like? She's got lots of life to live. I want to see where she is in 30 years when she's 43. What do you think she's going to be like? Will she be a faithful person? Will she be someone who's faithful? Um, Or will she be a faithless person? or unfaithful person, I'm betting that she's going to be a faithful person. Because every time she looks at her leg, she's going to see a scar. And she's going to be reminded every time she looks at that scar is that her daddy 
was 100% faithful to her. And how can that not change Gracie? How can that not change her that she looks and sees what her daddy did for her every day of her life that someone faithfully gave his life so that she could live? And, and guys, as, a, as someone who's in Christ, I and those of us here who are with Jesus have a better story than that. Better than a daddy crushed by rocks. We've got Jesus crushed by God's justice due to God's love. We've got somebody who is faithful to us even when we are unfaithful. He is not disappointed in you. He's not disillusioned by your lack of progress. He's not dissatisfied with your faithlessness. And he's not disgusted by the places you go and the sin you commit because he's already committed himself to you in eternity. And he, and he, he fell under the rocks for you. He fell under the weight of that because he took the full justice of God because of the full love of God. God is infinitely more loving than you could ever, ever really grasp. The heights, the width, the depth of it is amazing. The picture of a man being crushed by rocks is merely a picture of the greater reality of Jesus being crushed under God's terrible wrath on our sins. And so we've got one option, guys. We can stand, we can stand and try to impress God with our faithfulness, or we can believe in a God who is faithful to us. Let me tell you this, there is no other word in the Bible used, probably used more for God than faithful. Faithful is used 87 times in, in the Old Testament to talk, to, as sort of a synonym for God. And when Jesus comes at the end in Revelation, he's the rider on the horse who's called Faithful. He is so committed to you that his nickname is Faithful. He's so committed to his Father's love and his purpose that he's called Faithful. Old Faithful Jesus. He will be with you when you run from him. He is not disappointed. He's not disillusioned. He's not dissatisfied. He's not disgusted because... He is faithful. He holds unwaveringly to you. And so this sermon started out to be about us. We need to be faithful. We need faithfulness. But there is no way to become a person who embodies faithfulness without faith in a God who is faithful. There's no other way. And you've got you've to bow before that, own that, internalize that, or there is no way we're going to become the people who will fall into rocks who will get over ourselves to get out of our rooms and help somebody who needs it. There's no other way that we will be transformed but knowing a daddy like that, seeing the scars. There's no other way. Let's pray and we'll, we'll end it tonight. Uh, our God in heaven, you've given us Jesus, and we give you um, glory. There's not, um, there's really not,